Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center. Family owned and operated. A no pressure laid back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. Ask Mike. Brought to you by the Stadium Shop on Racerback in Fayetteville. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Monday, and that means it's another edition of Ask Mike. Mike Irwin here joining The August me. Camp Edition, right? <laughs> I love that, the August Camp Edition. It is, and we have a lot of football questions to get to, so we're going to jump right into it today. Our first question is from Snout Team, who says, I hear lots of people saying you can't compare Hazelwood to Burks. Burks was a generational talent, but if Hazelwood was the number one wide receiver in the nation and had a 9965 rating, and Burks was the 16th wide receiver in the nation with a 9.544 rating. Why wouldn't we compare them? Okay, I think if you talk to most fans that follow recruiting, and they do on these message boards uh, a lot, they're going to say, oh, it's a simple answer. Uh, Hazelwood was overrated coming out of high school, and Burks was underrated. And maybe that's true. I don't know. Certainly one has achieved a lot more than the other. But Jimmy Smith was Hazelwood's high school coach. Yeah. And on Saturday, he had an interesting take on this. He said, if you talk to Hazelwood, it's not that he was overrated. His rating was fine coming out of high school. At Oklahoma, he didn't deliver. He didn't play like that. And he believes that now that he's in Ar- at Arkansas, he will be that number one ri- wide receiver that he was when he came out of high school. So I like his take on that. They talked a lot. Some of the players talked about how different he, he's been as a transfer. A lot of the guys that come in in the portal, especially if they come in right before the spring, they'll be kind of quiet. They're trying to learn the lay of the land, get to know their teammates, get to know the coaches. They don't say a lot at first. You're, you're settling into your environment. And I think it might have been uh, – one of the running backs, which one was it? I can't, I'm trying to remember who said this. But he said, I think it was A.J. Green. I think it was A.J. Green, I, yeah. He said, from the first day he got here, he was, he was a leader. He's a, he's a senior, and he acted like a senior, and he acted like he'd been here all along. And he said, now, this summer, it was even more uh, apparent. 
that he's taken a leadership role on the offensive side right alongside K.J. Jefferson. So, you know, you put all that together and you, you, you really look at a guy that's got a lot to prove, knows he's got a lot to prove, but is not coming in here sort of like, well, I transferred, I'll see what I can do. He's confident. So I like his attitude. I hope he performs like the number one wide receiver in the country. I know Hog fans definitely want him to be that for this team. Armand Abbey says Arkansas's defensive tackle commit out of Georgia. The kid's a monster at 6'6", 350 pounds. He's listed as a three-star, and Auburn was the only other SEC school that offered. Is it because he's too slow for the position? I think his name is Ian Gefford, something like that. It's hard. It's a strange spelling. Mm-hmm. No, if, excuse me. If you go look at his uh, highlight video, he's not slow, even though he weighs 350. In fact, he kind of blows up quarterbacks. He just busts through the middle and grabs them before they can even move. Now, Arkansas coaches are loving the fact that they were able to get a commitment from him, and I think they're hoping that it holds on because – Otis feels like that he's going to get other offers, that his recruiting is going to blow up. He said that one of the reasons he was a three-star and didn't get a lot of attention was because he didn't go to a lot of these camps. And if you, if you there was that guy, Connor Stroh, whoever he was, that was an O-line guy that, remember, he was at every school and everybody, it, he was interested in all schools and went to all camps and all this stuff, and he was blowing up and recruiting. Well, this kid didn't do that stuff. But Otis thinks that once they start seeing what he's doing this year, that he'll, he'll get other offers and he might move up to a four-star. But they like him, Arkansas's coaches like him, because they're comparing him to John Ridgway, oh. who was just kind of like that, like that tank in the middle that you couldn't run past, but also he was so quick that he could get back into the backfield and sack quarterbacks too. And that's what this kid looks like. He's just a bigger version of John Ridgway. Uh, I'm telling you, if you look at his highlights, he just throws the center out of the way and boom, he explodes into the backfield and the quarterback takes a snap and he's just down. It's like, where'd this guy come from? So I'm pretty excited about this kid after looking at his video. Oh, yeah, you're, you're getting all and, of us excited. And instead excited. of Ridgeway, which who they had for one year, they could have this kid for three years. Oh, so that'd that's be great. pretty exciting. Oh, that is definitely exciting. Ryan Spears says, I think I read something about Jefferson saying he was planning on losing five pounds before the season. Unless the coaching staff wants him to lose weight, he looks fine to me. I think keeping him healthy is paramount. Well, he's actually lost a few pounds, and he says he's going to lose more. Now, if you're concerned about, oh, he's going to get hurt, he's going to be too small and all this stuff, Mm. it's not really noticeable. Yeah. Maybe you notice it a little bit, but he still looks more like a linebacker than a quarterback to me. I don't think he's going to have any problem running over people like he's done in the past. He maybe is just a little bit quicker than he has been. And if that's the case, that's better, right? That's not a bad thing. Uh, What I've noticed, and you were over there on, on Sunday watching them, he's just throwing the ball really well. He's got good quickness. He, he knows what he's doing. I've been impressed with KJ in the press conferences. Me too. You're the quarterback. You've got to be the team leader in that room when you have to go in into press conferences. He was a little bit quiet last year. He's saying more this year. He looks like the guy that's in charge. He kind of gives you a little bit of confidence, I think, if a, as a fan. If you look at what he's saying, mm-hmm. I can see where a fan would go, yeah, that, that's cool, all right. And for, for our standpoint, somebody in the media, he, he doesn't, he's not talking platitudes. He, it's not just the typical stuff that some athletes sometimes say. 
what he says actually means stuff. Mm -hmm. He actually reveals some things. So I've just been impressed with everything about him, and I certainly wouldn't worry about him losing a few pounds like he's suddenly going to get hurt. Yeah, and I think his confidence level, I think you mentioned it, he sounds more confident in what he's saying. It's, it, it really looks good to have your main guy, your quarterback, speaking with so much confidence at these exactly. things. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I've noticed. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed it too. Lanny says a current Hogville poll asks win or lose for every team on Arkansas's schedule this season. Hogville members give Arkansas a 50-50 chance or better to beat every team they play except for Alabama. The number one on the, or the number on that game, excuse me, is 20%. Clearly, the tide is in the heads of Razorback football fans. And I would say for good reason. <laughs> when you have never beaten a Nick Saban coach team at Alabama, it's never happened. I think Hog fans are pretty savvy. I've, I've liked them for a long time, especially on social media, because, you know, they know what, what, what they see. And you might, as a fan, you might be saying right now, well, look, we almost beat those guys in yep. Tuscaloosa last year. Uh, we'll be better this year. Yeah, yeah, this is the year we're, we're going to beat them. And I think a lot of these fans in this poll, especially Hogville, which these are more plugged-in fans, they're going, nah, <laughs> I'll see it when I believe it. So I don't think that's a bad thing, uh, what, they, what the results of that for, for Alabama. But I'd like to take a look at that poll because I think it's a really interesting poll. Now let's take a look at this. These, these are, this is how Hogville uh, members voted how each game, they think each game on Arkansas' schedule would, will turn out. So let's start off. 95% of those polled think Arkansas will win the season opener against Cincinnati. I think that's a really high number. Shows a lot of confidence. And 94% see South Carolina as a win. 98% believe that Bobby Petrino will go down in his return to Fayetteville. And slightly over half think Arkansas will extend its winning streak to two games over the Aggies. And then there's that Alabama number. That's a little bit surprising maybe since, as I said before, Arkansas was a close game. But come on, uh, you know, it's in favor this year. I, I think yeah. Arkansas has a better chance, but I don't really have a problem with that 22% number. It seems logical to me. Now, Mississippi State, perhaps some respect for Mike Bleach. I don't know, 67%. <laughs> it's not 90% predict a hog win. BYU, pretty much the same thing, 66% think that uh, Arkansas comes back from Provo, uh, Provo with a win. Arkansas fans pretty confident about a be beating a team this year that has had their number for several years now. That's Auburn, 82%. That's a little bit surprising. Yeah. And um, then Hugh Freeze. <laughs> He's getting no <laughs> respect. Uh, look at that number. And then almost 80% of Arkansas fans think Arkansas will take down LSU. That's yeah. a little bit surprising. That's kind of a bold pick. And Ole Miss, not much respect for Lane Kiffin coming to Fayetteville in year three. Uh, and then look at Dinky Dinkowitz. Arkansas fans say ninety-seven yeah, percent. They they're going to go down in Columbia. So it's an interesting poll. And if you look at the sum total of it, the majority of fans on that on that poll think that Arkansas will go eleven and one, which is like a little. You start thinking the Alabama thing is negative, but then a majority of people who voted in that poll. Think Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas's picked to win every one of those games, in, in, even the A&M game, except Alabama. So I thought it was an interesting poll. 
Definitely interesting. Um, that was on Hogville this week. Yes. Can people still vote on that, or is I, that being I, closed I, I'm now? sure they can, and the numbers have probably changed a little bit. Those were the numbers as of yesterday. As of yesterday. But I don't okay. think it's going to change dramatically. <laughs> gotcha. Arky Redneck asks, does ESPN have something against Arkansas? I saw on Twitter that it's been almost 16 years since ESPN game day came to Fayetteville. Every SEC team has been the host site since then, some several times. That really does need to change. On the surface, yeah, you'd say this is another one of those ESPN doesn't like Arkansas. Razorback fans think that the SEC network is biased against them. ESPN doesn't like them, whatever. Here's the thing about a game day, and you got to really think about this. Theoretically, ESPN game day goes to what the ESPN people think is going to be the number one most interesting game that week. And that's not generally Arkansas. It's just not. Well, you may think that as a Razorback fan, but you're talking national biggest game of the week. And some of this over the years has been the program has been down, but then you had those Bobby Petrino years. And I went back and looked and in 2010, Alabama came here. That was a game that is still the loudest game I've ever seen at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And Arkansas had them down early. That might have been a game that ESPN would have come in and done a game day, but they didn't. But there are some other factors. You know, now that Arkansas is better, obviously it increases the chances. You could look, say, and say if Arkansas is undefeated this year and Alabama's undefeated and they come here, maybe ESPN game day comes here this year. But there are some other factors. And I'm, I, I got to be honest. The number one factor, and we go over and tailgate and do our, uh, our game day show as of around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Now, I don't do that anymore. They've got me back in the studio for the last three or four years, but I did it a lot. And when you're out there at the stadium at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and you realize that Arkansas fans don't show up that early. They just don't. Mm. And even looking back at that one game day show they had, it was all right, but it's not the overwhelming crowd you see in some places. And I don't know, but what ESPN has figured out, maybe through word of mouth, that Arkansas fans don't tend to show up at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning to be a big factor on that game day show. Now, if they had a game day, I think it would word would spread and there would be more people there. But I'm just saying Arkansas may have a reputation of, it's my view that Razorback fans show up late for everything. They do. In, in baseball, basketball, they, they're always coming in late. What about Bud Walton Arena? You'll be, sit, you'll be inside that place, and it'll be half full with about five minutes till the game starts, and all of a sudden, boom, it's full. And people are coming in five minutes after the game starts. So Razorback fans are kind of late-arriving bunch. So maybe that's a They're factor. They're fashionably late, Mike. Yeah, They're fashionably maybe late. Maybe that's a factor. And I also think maybe TV market size figures into that. You know, Arkansas – I, I haven't looked at any numbers lately, but it would either be Arkansas or, say, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the two smallest footprints statewide wise in TV market, number of TV household homes in the state. I think either Arkansas or Mississippi would be the lowest number. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes, especially with the SEC network, that factors into what they do because they know you have fewer people watching. It definitely but does. here's the problem with that number. All that tells you is the number of homes out there. It doesn't tell you who's actually watching. So you could have a lot more TV homes in a state like Georgia, for instance, because Atlanta is a big major market. That doesn't mean they're always watching on ESPN, uh, you know, uh, 
ESPN Game Day or anything else like that, SEC Network. More Razorback fans, I think, probably percentage-wise would watch, but there's no way for ESPN to talk about that number to even get it. You, don't, you just don't know what it is. So I think Arkansas has got several things they'd have to overcome. But more than anything else, if you win consistently, if you're winning nine and ten games over five, six years, then I think you're going to see it. But I think that's what you have to overcome. You can't just have one good season and then drop back a little bit and have another one. There's got to be some consistency. And the other thing is how much you drum up on social media and how much people get hype for the game on those because ESPN right. does they watch look at, that as they well. Look at they that look at that, too. They do. So I know a lot of people have been talking about Cincinnati and Arkansas meeting for that first game of the season. Well, ESPN obviously saw all of that and said, you know what, we need to, we need to bring some love over to Fayetteville. So. But, and we've had several SEC game days here. But what, right. what do you see? What I see is there's not a lot of people out there. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's believe B L E A V 50. That's believe B L E A V 50. Bet online where the game starts. I know. I, I have It's because it's early that. and they're not going to go out there that early on a football Saturday. There's not. And you got to make the signs, people, too. You got to make those signs as well. Well, T.L. Slayton says, Why does everybody freak out over August camp? Every year it's hype, hype, hype. And then the season starts and everything changes. If some of you in the media got held accountable for the things you said in August, you'd be fired before the season is over. Uh, that's true of TV now on anything, <laughs> news, sports. I don't care what you're talking about. Honestly, when I started in this business in early 70s, you couldn't be really wrong about something. If it happened to you more than one or two times, they'd get rid of you because you, did, you weren't viewed as having any credibility with the fans. That's out the window these days. You just you can say pretty much anything and it's forgotten the next day. Now I will defend the local media a little bit. I don't think we're anywhere close to being Homer type during August camp, as I see, for instance, with the Aggies. You want to talk about some? Go read what what they post about August camp. Everything is a sign that they're going to beat Alabama this year. Some they're little winning thing, the national championship. Some right? little thing happens in practice, and all of a sudden, hey, this is significant. Um, if you look at what gets said by us about those practices first of all we're only there for 20 minutes sometimes 15 uh maybe occasionally 25 so we don't see everything so you're uh, invariably going to have to talk about some things that they talk about after it's over Mm -hmm. you know remember that first day there was a a, a, they they were doing a two-minute offense and hudson clark jumped up and picked off why wasn't there the first day? Well, so you they, got to, they, you no, got they to were see talking that. about it afterwards. Oh, that's right. That's right. And uh, I think it was Jalen Catalan that mentioned it. And uh, Sam Pittman mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And then K.J. Jefferson talked about it. I made a mistake. I got greedy. I, I, I thought the pass was there. 
he jumped it, jumped the route, and, and picked it, and it ended, the, that was the whole deal about it. It was a, Pittman was talking about how what you have to do to go from nine wins to ten wins is you have, you're winning close games. You've got to win the close games. And how do you win close games? You have to do little things to win close games, and one of those little things is you get down to the end, you're down six points or five points or whatever. You've got to score. You yeah. don't, you lose the game. So that was the, the, that, was that drill. It's a two-minute offense. You're down. you got to score. If you score, we win the game. If you don't score, the defense wins the game. That was the scenario. And K.J. thought it was there and threw it to Hazelwood, and it got picked. It was interesting that Catalan then came back and defended that pass. He said, I was back there. He said, if I had been a quarterback, I would have thrown that pass. It looked, he looked open. It was just a great job by our guy. So that stuff gets reported by us through them. We didn't see it. Right. But do you, are you kidding me? Fans don't want to know that. And then as we were leaving yesterday, mm-hmm. our period is up. But what do you do? You walk very slowly out there because you want to watch <laughs> as much as possible. Because what happens the is slow walk. when our time is up, that's when they start doing ones versus ones. So you're walking very slowly and you're watching what's happening. And as I walked by that end zone on the grass field, I saw Catalan all over Hazelwood. And I thought, man, he's not going to catch this pass. And it was weird. All of a sudden, I saw Hazelwood with the ball. And I'm like, how did he, how did he get that ball? And so it was a great pass, a great catch under great coverage. Again, that's something we can see and pass along. So what am I supposed to do? Say, well, I better not mention that because it might blow smoke. Somebody might get, start thinking Hazelwood's really good when he's not. All you can do is report what you see or what they tell you happened. doesn't mean your coverage is bad or you're trying to, you know, pump things up a little bit. And I would also say in the final analysis, if you walk over there negative, that's not doing your job. I think you sort of walk over there with a positive attitude, look for positive things. And then if you see the negative, you report about it, report yeah, it. Exactly. So I understand what he's saying. But on the other hand, why do people make such a big deal out of August camp? Because it's not the season yet. It's the closest thing you've got. And so, it's exciting. It means that football is so close. Yeah. Right? And some fans don't. Some fans pay, pay no attention to this till the game's played. That's fine. Others are just overly, they, I got to have a fix. I got to have some information. I got to, what happened today? Tell me what went on out there today. So it's, it's just the way it always is and always has been. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good analysis of that. Wizard of Hogs says you need to get the term pods out of your head. It has long since been replaced by a permanent opponent's model with three permanent Arkansas uh, with three permanent opponents, Arkansas may play Texas, OU, and Mizzou each season, but that doesn't mean those other three teams also play each other every year. Yeah, he's responding to something that I talked about last week, which was that Jimbo Fisher sort of revealed who he thinks their opponents are, and then I was like saying if it was a pod system, then you would break up these the Egg Bowl and you would break up the Texas-Oklahoma uh, rivalry. Now, I wasn't saying that was written in stone. I have no idea. They have made no official announcement of how they're going to do this. The pod thing was mentioned early on. There's no question that the permanent opponent's idea is a better idea. Uh, it, it's more flexible. But I just want to say, and they will never do what I want. I, I'm admitting to you this right now. 
But I'll say this again, I don't favor either one of those systems. Right. I favor taking the 16 teams, dividing them into east and west, just like we have now, and you play every single team in the seven teams in your eight-team division, you all play them. And those are the only games that count on your division's uh, standings. Then, if you want to play rotator games and cross over, if you're Arkansas and you want to cross over and play Alabama or Georgia or whatever, you've played them. But it shouldn't count because the biggest problem with all these rotators and what he's talking about and even the, the pod system, either one of those, you're, you've got five rotating games for right. every, every year. So you're playing three permanent po opponents and five rotators. That's not, there's no way to make that fair. You're going to end up with what we've seen the last two years with Arkansas, where Arkansas is playing the toughest schedule in the country. It won't always be Arkansas, but every year, if you're a fan and you do this system, here's what you're going to do. The schedule is going to come out, and you're going to look at it, and you're either going to go, ah, that's great, or this is terrible, we're screwed. Because what happens if you're an SEC team and you're going to have to play Georgia, Alabama, and LSU all in one year, and some other team doesn't play any of those teams? Right. And that can happen with these rotators. So I, I hate rotators. I don't mind playing a rotating schedule. Just don't count it in, in your final division standings. And then if you have the best record in your division, you still cross over and play the team in the, with the best record in the other division for the SEC championship game. But you don't make it unfair because one team's had a much tougher schedule than the other. Yeah, I've said they, this They've before. all played the same teams. Exactly. I've said this before to you, Mike, but I actually like that system, and I hope the SEC they is won't. listening. I know they won't, but that actually does make sense and is actually a really good system. But Team Otis wants to know, what do you think – a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was watching him yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, it's hard to imagine that just about a year and a half ago he was a he was a wide receiver. I remember when they first started talking in the spring last year. Hey, this guy was a wide receiver, but he, we're going to try him out at running back, and he was looking really good. I mean, it's hard for a guy to make a transition that fast. I think he was like duck to water. He just, the minute he became a running back, it was like you thought he had been a running back all along. Yeah. And he had that really good year last year, but now he's bigger, hasn't lost any of his speed and quickness. And if you look at the three guys that I think are going to get snaps this year, he's kind of a combination of the other two. He's got Dominic Johnson's size and power, and he's got A.J. Green's speed. And he's got it all wrapped up into one package. No wonder he's the number one guy. And they're talking about he's going to get a lot of the reps because he's looking really good. Now, I don't want to jinx him, <laughs> but uh, I feel really good about that running back room. They've got, they got three guys each with different skill sets, one of them kind of a combination of the other two. And, again, the transition he's made in just a little over a year from wide receiver. What I find myself asking now was why the heck was he ever a wide receiver? You that's, know, that's what who I'm came up with that too. bird brain idea? I don't know. Maybe someone in high school. Maybe, maybe not. But that definitely that running back room is going to be one to watch out for this season. Mousetown says I use Twitter to keep up with Razorback sports a lot more than Facebook these days. It's mostly great, but I spend too much time having to block jerk fans of other SEC schools. Could you give me your list of the most annoying SEC fan bases? Also, the best. All right. Now, keep in mind that he's not. He's talking about Twitter. Yeah. Specifically, how how people we all 
those of us that are on Twitter, you are, I am, yeah. most of us are, and I will agree with him. I use Twitter more for sports. I use Facebook. I still, what I do with, use Facebook for is to go look at how Razorback fans are reacting to what's going on. But just for general information that you're getting, I'm on Twitter. So how do I react to the Twitter fans that I see around the SEC on Twitter? You've got to keep that in mind. It's not, it's not at games or anything like that. <laughs> Not out in public. It's just what, right. what I'm reading when I when I log on to Twitter five or six times a day. So I will say right off the bat, I'm going to go with A&M again. And it's for a lot of the reasons that I've talked about. These guys are delusional. They do the same thing on Twitter that they do everywhere else. They're always about to win the national championship. Always. And we talked about this before. Every time something happens in practice, they somehow... What will happen is the Homer Aggie media will post this thing and then their fans will read it and then they'll retweet it. And, it's, and so so-and-so did this to practice today. Just one more reason why we're going to beat Alabama this year and win the SEC West. And then when, when we do that, we're going to beat Georgia and we're going to the national championship game. So Love it. this is what you run into with a and <laughs> fans. Now, Tennessee. Again, this is Tennessee fans on Twitter. Here's the thing about Tennessee. They sort of do the same sort of thing that the Aggies fans do, at least this year. Maybe not so much in the past. But, yeah, boy, they're good this year. This is the year they're going to beat Georgia. This is the year because it's all coming together for them. They're going to beat Georgia. They're going to go to the, the SEC championship game. They're going to get into the playoffs. They're going to win. This is, this is when Tennessee football comes back. But the thing that they add is – AM fans never acknowledge what happened last year if it's bad. It just didn't happen. They just don't talk about it. Tennessee fans make excuses for it. It's like, well, this happened last year, but that wasn't our fault, and this happened, and blah, blah, blah. And so they're always looking back and saying, don't pay any attention to the fact that we think we're good now when we were bad last year because there was a reason why we were bad, whereas AM fans never refer to that whatsoever. Yeah, and Tennessee so, also has really crazy baseball fans on Twitter, too. Yeah, they're yeah. psychotic, so they're, they're, I... I they're, mm, they're not so. Mm, no. And then LSU. LSU fans are more... What, what annoys me about them is they're just really aggressive. They get angry really fast. I've and, noticed that. Have you challenged... If they get challenged by anybody, it's like, they're going to come after you, you know. It's, I guess there's something down there in the swamp that just gets you going. I don't know. But those are the three most annoying. Now let's go to the good, the on good ones. Yeah. The good ones on Twitter. And if we look at that, we're going to start with Mississippi State. What, you ranked them higher than Arkansas? I like Mississippi State. This is just my view of okay. how they are on okay. Twitter. all right. They're very laid back. They're not negative toward their own school. They don't have a history of a lot of success in football especially, but they're not negative about it, and they don't brag. They're not bragging about any of that stuff. Mm. You know, they're just kind of saying, hey, we're hopeful. We think we'll be pretty good. This has happened. This has happened. May, hey, maybe we'll be pretty good this year. They don't make predictions of winning the West or going to the championship game or whatever. They're just kind of low-key people. Now, Arkansas, i got to be honest, Razorback fans – they're really aggressive. If you if you start posting stuff that's incorrect, they will get all over you because they're very knowledgeable, and you cannot just post garbage on Twitter and expect somebody to accept it because they'll <laughs> jump all over you. So I rate Razorback fans pretty good on Twitter for that reason. That's, that, that's, they're smart. They're plugged in. They know what's going on, and they don't post a lot of really stupid things on Twitter. 
they're also not running around making predictions about winning stuff all the time. So I'd rank them up pretty high, too. And then I don't know why I've got LSU down there. I, don't, was a I, gra- I think it's just mistake. a little, yeah, the graphics. Graphics just, mistake. That's all right. Georgia I would rank number three. Georgia, you know, here's the, here's the thing about Georgia. They're kind of new to this being really good in, in football. They were okay for a while, but they were dominated by Alabama. And then Kirby Smart comes in, and they've really gotten good. So they finally win the national championship. They're better than Alabama. I would expect a lot of bragging going on right now. A lot of hey, you know, hey, you don't have shut Georgia up. fans in your DMs, do you? I do. So I, they're annoying. <laughs> so you you think they're annoying, but I, I've I've not noticed any of that. I'll again, I admit this is a, this is subjective. It's how I see it right. when I read Twitter. Now you may be right. I may not have enough of them on my on my feed, but those are the. Those are the ones I would rank and how they would rank it just based on what I see yeah. when I read Twitter. I think it's a pretty good list. I think it's a pretty good list. Well, our final question for you guys today is LR Tackett says, you've mentioned the factors that caused you to take a job covering Arkansas back in the 70s. Clearly, you think you made the right choice for a team to cover, but if not Arkansas, what other job would you have gone after? I'd say Texas Tech, since you're from the Lubbock area. Yeah, you would be wrong about Texas Tech. Uh, <laughs> well, Mike, I didn't say it. Yeah, I'm LR talk, talking about LR Tackett. <laughs> he would be wrong. Look, I enjoyed growing up out there. I enjoyed going to Texas Tech games. I left there when I went off to college, and I haven't lived there since. And I would not move back there. So I, would, I never had any j- desire early in my career to go back to Lubbock. It's like kind of going backwards. Plus, I'll be honest with you. Texas Tech has a whole history of having bad ADs. They have bad ADs that make bad decisions. And I, if I had a job there, I would, they'd run me off because I'd be after them all the time for mistakes that they make. So, no, it would have never been Texas Tech. Uh, it's kind of tough to think about that. I do know that I, when that happened, I, had, I was working at a station in East Texas, and I because I was the sports director, I could do whatever I wanted, and I arranged it where I could go cover the Cowboys, the Rangers, go to not that far to Dallas. I thought, hey, this might be fun covering pro sports. Didn't like it at all. So after just one year of that, I'd pretty much decided, okay, where do I go in my career from here? I do not want to cover pro sports. I don't want to go to the Dallas market. I want to cover a good college program. I also decided that I didn't want to go somewhere where you're kind of covering a lot of teams. Because it's hard to focus for me. I like focusing on one team. Maybe it's my ADD that I can't focus on a lot of teams at one time. But that's what I was looking for, a job where I could cover one team, be around one team's fan base, and kind of really get into what they were doing. And one of the schools I considered, it seems kind of goofy now, but I considered Baylor. Really? Because that's a small, Waco's a small TV market. So if you're if you're working for a television station in Waco, you're going to be covering Baylor. You're not going to be going up and covering the Cowboys and a bunch of other stuff. That's, that's what goes on at, in that area, and so that's what your viewers are into. So it was at least somewhat attractive. OU is another place I considered simply because as a kid I always liked OU because OU fans hate Texas even more than Arkansas fans, and so I always identified with them. And plus, Norman... Norman, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City in general is a little bit more out toward the west. It's kind of more like what I grew up around, and I probably would have eventually went, nah, it's too flat around here, not enough mountains and whatever. But that was a good, that would have been maybe something I would have looked at. And then maybe at some point, because I hate bad weather, I might have thought about going to 
the Orlando market where I could cover the Gators oh. because it's yeah, and, and every, what, what do people say about Florida? Summer's horrible, right? It's hot, yeah. humid. I it's, love that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's nice, though. It's, I'd love it's it. all right. And I would love the winter. So but I'm you would not, have to cover UCF. You know that, right? Uh, you know, they claim they won a national championship. You'd well, have to cover What other TV them. market can you cover the Gators from? You Gainesville. They have their own TV. Then I would TV go there. Market. It's got to be a little dinky it's a, place. It's a small market. Yeah. It's so you probably market. make about like ten thousand a year, right? Maybe less than that. Maybe five thousand <laughs> a year if you're covering the Gators. So all of that has made me realize, boy, I got lucky because I did get the job and I did come up here and and I stayed for and it. I, it's really been the place for me. Mike, we are so glad you're here. I'm glad that you this didn't go for any of those other options. 48th fall camp. No way. Wow. 48. You know, some, I think it was one of the reporters was joking with Pittman about how many fall camps it's been for him. 48 for you? 48, 48 wow. fall camp. Well, That's I, a lot of fall camps. They is, all run together in my mind now. <laughs> that is a lot of fall camps. And speaking of fall camp, I'm looking at the time. we got to head over to fall camp for today. So that is it for this week's edition of Ask Mike. We'll see you next Monday and answer more of your questions. See you then. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.